Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24. Matthew 16, starting in 24. Uh, but before we jump into that, let me give you a handful of announcements. So on September the 21st, say September 21st. September 21st. All right, so that's a Wednesday. Wednesday, September 21st, is that is girls only midweek and guys only midweek all at the same time. You're like, how does that work? We're going to be in different places. That's how that's going to work. So girls only midweek is happening in this space. Guys only midweek is happening outside because where do guys go? Outside. That's what we do. Uh, guys only midweek is going to be outside. Girls only midweek inside in here, September the 21st. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Don't miss out on that. And the second thing is this. Uh, we are partnering with some people that are in Louisiana. If you didn't know, there was some really bad floods in Louisiana. And we are uh, doing our best to be the hands and feet of Jesus to go and uh, bring relief to those folks. And so if you are available tomorrow at 5 o'clock, 5 p.m., if you could come to the old church office entrance. That's the glass doors over there. The old church office entrance at five o'clock tomorrow. Uh, they're going to load some stuff into a truck that's going to go to Louisiana. We need all of your muscles. So uh, if you're able to do that, please do that. I already have a handful of people who are committed to do that. Um, but uh, if you could do that, that would be, that'd be really helpful. Uh, great. So he, he, here's what I want you to think about. Has there ever been a time that you have uh, been at a meal and you were expecting this, this certain food or this certain drink to come, and you're excited about it. You're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so great. Like, this is going to taste so good. It's just going to be like, oh, I can't, I can't wait for this. Just think of it like, oh, I can't wait. And then what it, what, what, it gets in front of you, and you're like, oh, this is going to be so good. And, or, or the drink gets in front of you, you're like, this is going to be so great. And you take a bite, or you take a drink, and it's something completely different than you ordered. Something completely different than you expected, and you're like, what is this? This isn't what I ordered. This isn't what I ordered. You had this big expectation. To, you, you had this big expectation. Oh, this is going to taste so good. And then you got tricked. This is not what it was. I, this has happened to me many times, but one of the, one of the, the best times that I've seen this happen was here. Um, we, played this, we played this game once. Uh, we played this game once. Listen, we played this game once where uh, it was an eating contest of sorts, and I I brought out I brought out a uh, a carton of of bluebell homemade vanilla ice cream. Well, I brought out a carton that said bluebell vanilla homemade ice cream. All right, and so this is what this is the deal. I said, hey, I'm gonna put some stuff in your bowl. I didn't tell him what was it. I, I'm gonna put some stuff in your bowl, and I scooped it out. It looks like ice cream. We put it in put it in the bowl, cover it with chocolate syrup, and. Caramel, and uh, I'm like, hey, we're gonna see who can finish this faster. And they're like, oh, this is gonna be money. Like, who doesn't like vanilla ice cream with chocolate and caramel on it? Like, this is gonna be so good. And they had this expectation, you're like, I'm going to crush all of you fools. Like, it's one of those numbers, and they're like, I just can't wait. This is gonna taste so good. And I said, okay, three, two, one, go. And they all just, I mean, like, put their faces into the bowls. It wasn't like a, I need to be proper. There are boys here. It was like, I'm just going to slam my face into this bowl and just annihilate this stuff. And what they quickly found out was I had frozen, I had frozen some mayonnaise and scooped it into the bowl and covered it with chocolate and caramel. And in that moment, in that moment, their reality their reality did not match up with their expectation. 
their reality didn't match up with their expectation. And so that brought up frustration in some people, disappointment in some people, confusion in some people. They were like, why does it taste like this? What kind of ice cream did you buy? And all kinds of other emotions because their reality did not match up with their expectation. And that's really silly when it comes to food. It's, it was a silly game and it was whatever, but it's, it's, it's a different deal when it comes to the words of Jesus. And what I want to do over the next three weeks is look at these instances in the scriptures where Jesus says some things and it's really like, if I can just imagine, if I was in the crowd, he would say this and I would be like, say what? Like, what, what did you just say? My re- what you just said is not matching up with my expectation of what this was supposed to be about. And Jesus does this often throughout the Gospels. Is he turns to the crowd and teaches, and it shocks them. You're like, who, what? I don't get, what? Because there's often times where the words of Jesus don't match our expectation of who we want him to be. And we're going to look at that tonight in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24. It says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever, was, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let me just set up what's been going on. Twelve, his 12 dudes. So this is, this is the deal. Jesus takes his boys, his 12 his 12 dudes, and they roll into Caesarea Philippi. And there are some disgusting things going on at Caesarea Philippi. Like imagine gross things and then multiply it by 10. It's nasty. That's what's going on at Caesarea Philippi. And, and like these dudes are like 12 and 13 and 14 years old. They're like, oh my God, mom never lets me see this kind of stuff. Like it's that kind of thing. It's like, what is happening? And Jesus takes them there on purpose as their rabbi sits them down and looks at them and says, hey, who do the people say that I am? And they're like, oh, well, uh, some say that you're Elijah. Well, some say you're John the Baptist or some other prophet. And then Jesus asked them one of the greatest questions ever. Well, who do you say that I am? And Peter, in his, like, in his, in his sh- most shining of moments, Peter turns to Jesus and says, you're the Christ. And Jesus gives him the ultimate attaboy. He says, that's right, Peter, and you're Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And it's like this big hurrah moment. It's like, yes, we are following the Christ. We have, yes. And like, they're Jewish, and they're like, we're looking for the Messiah. This guy's the Messiah. Oh, my gosh. We're following this guy. Oh, I cannot believe this. And so it, the, the story progresses on, and it gets to this moment, and, and Jesus is like, okay, yeah, 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 you figured out I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. Yes, that's fine. I'm just going to let you know. We're about to go to Jerusalem, and they're going to murder me. But don't worry. Uh, I'm going to get up from the dead three days later. Oh, no. and, and, and Peter, Peter, the, the guy who just got the greatest attaboy, the guy who just had the shining moment with Jesus, hears Jesus say, I'm going to die, and I'm going to get up from the dead. He turns to Jesus and says, far be it from you, Lord, 
Basically, he looks at Jesus and says, no, you're not. No, you wouldn't do that. You're the Messiah. You're supposed to establish your reign. You're supposed to let the Jewish people conquer. And right after getting the ultimate attaboy, Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, like five verses earlier, it was like, yeah, you're the man, Peter. And then later, it's like, and you're Satan. I mean, it shocked him. And so the words that we have tonight are right after that happens, are right after Peter rebukes Jesus and says, no, you're not going to die. You're not, you're not going to die. You're not going to get back up from the dead. And Jesus, it's almost as Jesus gets to the verse 24 and says, let me just remind you of what you signed up for. What are we supposed to respond? Is I just want to answer the questions. What is Jesus saying? And how are we supposed to respond? So let's look at it in verse 24. What is Jesus saying? He says, then Jesus told his disciples, here we go. If anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Here's the three things that Jesus says. We'll just take them as they come to us. The first thing he says is this. You want to come after me? Deny yourself. What does that mean? It means this. It means to put aside your will or your plan for your life. It means to, it means to get out of the space where you're number one. To deny yourself means to take a back seat you're denying whatever desire that you have to rule your life, to deny yourself, is to put your will on the altar and say, this isn't, this isn't, my, this isn't mine to deal with. Deny yourself. And then he goes on. He says, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross. And for, listen, for a Jewish person hearing them say that, when, when Jesus utters the words, hey, so deny yourself, but also you're going to need to take up your cross. They would have immediately thought, you're talking about like the Roman crossbar that people get nailed to, that people get drugged in the streets and humiliated and rejected and spit on. You're talking about that cross, Jesus. That's absurd. Now, is he telling the disciples, hey, you need to take up your like wooden crossbar every day you're following me? No, it's not like a physical crossbar. And it's not for us either. But maybe it's more like this. That to take up the cross means to take up the sacrifice of the cross. To take up the rejection of the cross. And to take up the obedience to the Father that comes with the cross. So, we'll, so to take up your cross means to take up, take up the sacrifice that comes with the cross. Families, they had to leave behind to sacrifice things to follow Jesus. They had to leave their families. They had to leave behind comforts. They had to leave behind money and a job and all of that stuff. They had to leave it behind to follow Jesus. Is that what he's asking of us? Uh, maybe. But more likely, he's asking you to sacrifice other things. In order to follow Jesus, maybe some of you need to sacrifice the social, the social circles that you run in. You need to sacrifice that boyfriend or that girlfriend that you have no business being with. You're just messing around. 
Or you need to sacrifice your own comfort for the sake of another. Or you need to sacrifice your own convenience to love somebody else. Or you need to sacrifice the the amount of money that you could make because you know that this is dishonest and I'm just trying to follow Jesus. Whatever it is, make the list. It doesn't matter. But what Jesus is saying to you is to take up your cross means to take up the sacrifice of the cross in order to follow me. But it also means to take up the rejection that comes with the cross. You see, when these, when these people would get drugged through the streets with this Roman crossbar, there would be a crowd that would watch. And they would spit on them as they walked by. And they would mock them. It was humiliating. And Jesus is saying, you want to follow me? You take up the rejection that comes with the cross. And, and so for us, maybe that looks like some rejection socially from some places that we wish we could be, but we're not going to get in because we're trying to follow Jesus. And so they're like, oh, you're one of those Christ followers. Oh, you're going to read me the Bible? And you get shoved out. Or maybe it means some relational rejection. Maybe you need to reject some relationships. Or maybe you get rejected from some relationships because you guys are running two different directions. You're trying to follow Jesus, and they are going a completely opposite way, and you're getting rejected because of it. And on and on the list goes. But to follow Jesus is to take up your cross and take up the rejection that comes with the cross. And lastly, it's to take up the obedience to the Father's will that comes with the cross. And you remember the scene. If, you, if you've been in church any amount of time, you probably know this story that Jesus enters into the garden the night before he was going to be cap, uh, arrested to be crucified. And he goes into the garden and he's just so grieved and he's in the garden and he prays this prayer, oh God, would you take this cup from me? Meaning, would you take the fact that I'm about to have to go and get murdered, would you take that from me? But what he says next is what makes it so good. But either way, your will not I'm not on the, I, I'm not the one in charge here, you are. And so to take up our cross and follow Jesus is to take up obedience to the Father's will, no matter what that might bring. It's to say, God, you're in charge, not me. You're the one that's on the throne, not me. You drive this thing, not me. You tell me where to go, not me. You, make de- you help me make decisions. God, I am not the one driving this deal. You run this show. It's your will, not mine. But here's what we do. We create a plan for ourselves and a will for ourselves or whatever you want to call it. And then because we don't want to look bad as Christians, we invite God into our plan. Hey, God, here's this plan. Would you like to come? As if God is waiting to be invited by you. Oh, to take up our cross is to take up the obedience to the Father no matter what that brings. Just say, you're in charge, I'm not. You're in charge, I'm not. So he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and then he says this, and follow me. What does that mean? Following, by definition, means that you're not leading. I mean, that seems so like, duh, Kate. But let's think about this. To follow Jesus means that you don't get to call the shots. You don't get to pick where you go and how how it works. 
because you're following. You're not the leader, you're the follower. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It's to let Jesus be in charge. It's to let Jesus be Lord. It's to let Jesus be the one. It's to follow Jesus. It means that you're not the leader. So generally, there's two, two pushbacks that I think come with this, and, and, and one of these is mine. Uh, the first one is this. We hear stuff like this, and we don't necessarily like it. We're, we're, we're a little bit like the original crowd. We're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, what did you just say? And so what we do is this. Okay, Jesus, like I understand that you want to be in charge, and like your will, not mine. I get all of that. So in order to like make you happy... I'll give you these areas of my life, but really I need to be in control of these over here. Like if you could just be okay with that, okay with that, that'd be great. And we give Jesus parts of our life. Hey, you can have my life at church. You can even have some of my life at home. That's fine. But how I interact with my friends, the things I or that girl in the dark, where we're how I treat my parents, what I say to my teachers, what I do with that guy or that girl in the dark where we're watching a movie at midnight. By the way, bad idea. Oh, you, you can't have that, but, but everything else you can have. Way to go, Jesus. I'm a Christian. And we think, we think Jesus is okay with that. We think, well, at least you have some of my life, right, Jesus? You're welcome. As if Jesus is looking at you and say, if you could just give me a little bit, come on. Let me just tell you a hard truth. Jesus is an all or nothing guy. Jesus is the all or nothing guy. He's either in control of your life or he's not. So, so, so those of you who are in here that think that you're only giving pieces of your life to Jesus, that you're running every other part, but you see you giving him some pieces, you're like, here you go, Jesus. Here's a treat for my life. You're welcome, Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Are you actually following the Jesus of the Bible? Or are you following some kind of idea of Jesus that you created on your own? Because the Jesus of the Bible says to you, come, follow me. All of you, follow me. Not part of you, all of you. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and let me be in charge. Follow me. Are you following Jesus as Jesus says to be followed? Or are you trying to call the shots? Are you trying to follow Jesus on your terms? Maybe that's not your pushback. Maybe your pushback is a lot like mine. When I was your age, I had this pushback. You hear these things from Jesus and you're like, you see, I knew it. I knew, Jesus, this is all you're about. All you're about is telling us to give up stuff, die to yourself. Take up your cross. You're the biggest fun sucker on the planet, Jesus. See, this is what I knew Christianity was about. If you want to be lame, be a Christian. If you want to be boring, be a Christian. You see what Jesus is about? And that's why you push back. You hear words like this and you're just like, guy's a fool. You just get mad. You think Jesus is asking too much of you. So whatever pushback you've got, the question that you've got to answer and that I've got to answer, 
So after hearing that, for you and for the disciples, after hearing that, would anybody, anyone want to keep following this guy? Why on earth would anybody hear these words and stick around? Maybe it's because, maybe it's because they know something and they have come to realize something about who Jesus is. Let's look at verse 25. Jesus gives us this answer. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gives the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? That Jesus answers this in so many words. He gives us the reason for why are you going to stick around after hearing? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, lose your life. Who's still going to be in on that? Either you are a bunch of morons or you've come to know that Jesus, you're better. That what I gain in following you is far greater than what I have to give up. And if you're calling me to come and lay down my relationships and lay down the way that I talk at school and lay down the way that I treat my parents and lay down the things that I look at on the internet and lay all of that down, if you're calling me to that, Jesus, whatever I have to give up is not worth it compared to what it's like to follow you. You're better. I mean, these guys realize this because they stuck around. I mean, what can, 11 of the 12 of these guys died a martyr's death for Jesus. Who does that? Who dies that way? Either you're an idiot or you have come to understand that the guy you're following is so much better, even better than life. I mean, what what pushes Peter to get crucified upside down? What pushes James to lose his head? What pushes Bartholomew to get skinned alive? Only if the God that they've been following is so much better than the cost. Can you say that about your life? When you look at what it means to follow Jesus, are you looking at it and going, Jesus, you're worth whatever cost. Following you, I will give up anything because you're better. You're better than the relationship that I desperately want. You're, de- you're better than those drugs or that drink higher than I want to climb. Jesus, you're better than, than the pleasure that I could get from those drugs or that drink or this party or that, that group or whatever. You're better than all of that. I will willingly lay that down, Jesus, because you are better. Is that what you say? Or are you just looking at Jesus and going, you're all right, I guess. But really, I like this stuff. I want to I hang out with, with these people, and I want to say these things, or I want to do these things with that girl or that guy. I want to look at these things on the Internet, or I want to go to that party, and I want to drink this thing, and I want to go that way, and I want to talk this way to my parents. I don't want to give that up. Can I, just, can I just please beg with you to come to understand There's nothing 
there's nothing that Jesus will call you to give up that is better than him. Nothing. There's nothing that's worth more than him. So are you saying, Jesus, you're better? I will go anywhere and I will do anything because you're better. The second thing they realize is in verse 27. It says, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Why in the world would we keep following this guy? It's because he's better and because Jesus is a judge. Because he's a judge. And that makes us feel real uncomfortable. You're like, you see... I'm good with like tender Jesus. It's like stroking a lamb in his lap. But I'm not real comfortable with Judge Jesus. That makes me feel real uncomfortable. Hey, and I get it. I, I, I get it. But if Jesus isn't a judge, then he's the most unjust God in the world. You see, Jesus has to judge sin. You see, because we have this problem, it's called sin, and that sin separates us from God. It has is, it is completely separated us from a perfect God because we have sin, and that's messed us up. And there's judgment coming for that sin. Yet here's the greatest news on the planet, is that God in his mercy for you and for me, and in his love for you and for me, Perfectly, where you were supposed to be perfect. Jesus, to come and live where you were supposed to live. He came to live perfectly where you were supposed to be perfect. And then he came and he died where you were supposed to die so that the just judge could be appeased. And not only did he die where you were supposed to die, but three days later he got up from the dead. And he beat sin, and he beat death, and he beat the devil. And for all of those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you now come and stand before the just judge, and you know what he says about you? Righteous. You're my kid. You get in because of Jesus in your place. That's the best news on the planet is that this Jesus who is a judge will look at you because of the blood of Jesus on you and say, welcome, you belong here. But if you're in here and you're like, I don't buy this Christianity thing. The judge has to rule and justice will be brought. But if you're in here and you're just hung up on this Christianity thing, let me ask you this. Where's your, like, where's your barrier? What's your question? What's your hang-up? What is stopping you from coming to Jesus and saying, you know what? You are better. I've tried everything else. I've tried to get life and satisfaction from everything else, and it always fails me. You've got to be it. What's your hang-up? Can, can I just invite you that, that in the next few moments when the band's back up here, you would find the friend that brought you or an adult that's going to be in the back and ask your question. You know how you're going to get an answer? By asking your question. 
bring your hang up and say, you know what, I don't get this. Every one of them has questions too. And the other thing is this. If, if you're in here and you've just created a picture of Jesus that fits your life, that you, that you can follow, it's comfortable for you to follow, that, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God will just press down on you and say, is this really how Jesus says to be followed? Or did you just create one in your head? So the band's going to come back up here. And I just want you to think. So it, just close your Bibles, bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I just want you to be alone and I want you to be still and I want you to be quiet for just a little bit. If you say in here that you're a follower of Jesus, that you, that I, if I asked you to raise your hand, and I'm not, but if I asked you and you would say, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian, yes. Can you say tonight, Jesus, you're better than anything that I could gain in life. You're better. Whatever wealth I could gain, whatever relationship I could gain, whatever status I could gain, whatever team I could make, oh, Jesus, you're better. Maybe some of you need to repent tonight because of a Jesus that you've created to follow, but it's not really Jesus. And you need to know what it's like to to really follow Jesus. Go and ask somebody. They They will help you. Or if you're in here and you, you just, you're hung up on this Christianity thing, you're like, I don't know, I just, I don't, this feels bogus to me. Whatever your hang up is, go and ask somebody. Go and tell somebody. Don't just hold on to it and be frustrated. Go and try to find an answer. The Bible says, seek and you will find. 